0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Misfit Podcast. Today we've got the affiliate Goon Squad in the house myself, Sherb, Kyle. How are we doing, gentlemen? Doing great well. doing great did some bike sprints i feel great right now yeah, you look good excellent <laughs> you look good kid i look sherb, more red than usual Sherb just hit his <laughs> Was it six six by 20 seconds
1: five, five thank goodness for like uh, a total of 140 seconds is about my max actually
0: that's not even true it's more like 30 seconds 140, 140 seconds 140 <laughs> seconds of work and you can three second intervals and you can be and you can be dead like sherb <laughs> 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 um question of the day favorite mock affiliate mock games workout now are we going with like the one that you like to do the best? The, the one that you, thought, you like to do the best? Or you did you do any of them? I, I know you did got one. You're training.
1: I only did what one, did but it was my favorite.
0: <laughs> we skill medley. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. He's still doing it. I, uh, I, j- I tried a couple of, of those final round
1: crossovers. I was never able to link two of those double unders. together. I could do like a couple. Like I showed one member. Like here's how you do. It. And they're like, all right, cool. Now do two in a row. I'm like, you do two in a row. Yeah, nice I'll watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You do two. I'll do three. You do two. and I'll do three and after. Um, the only one I actually ended up doing for class, um, on Fridays I took class. So, and I am taking Friday's classes kind of moving forward was the, um, Jackie pro. So the mm. affiliate version gave us a little bit more leeway, like probably could have done the games version did of you that, the
0: affiliate pace. I think I asked I, I did. Yeah, I did yeah. the
1: affiliate pace, but if I, I think I could do the games version, it's a pretty fast one K, but all I would have done if I had done that version is exactly what you saw the games athletes did, but a lot longer, which is sit on the rower and go, fuck that was hard <laughs> so did that i, I fin- think i finished at like a one like 44 so like basically played it pretty similar to the way i'd play jackie where like cool you rode pretty hard what does that do for you everything else so yep. um and then kyle um you would you run that day or was that carol yeah that was my i class. thought you thought you were in that day so one thing i thought was really cool about it because we have the space at our gym is that kyle was able to set up like cone zones where like you do the first uh 10 reps between these two cones and you move your barbell forward mm-hmm. do 10 more and like I'm kind of a jackass when it comes to pacing. So if I didn't have that in class, I probably would have done like 15 or 20 off the rip
0: forced pacer for you. So I helped me pace it. So I
1: ended up going like 10, 10 and 10 and like six, four and like six, four or five, five or something like that. Um, which helped pace the bar muscle ups because like anyone who's done Jackie and made a mistake, either rowing too fast or going too big on the thrusters goes to the pull up bar and goes, well now I'm standing here. So having had to split things up, made it a lot more effective. So the bar muscle, muscle ups went a lot better than it would have. So I was pretty happy with how that went. I got to race Caroline, which is fun because like she was in class as well. And, and I was able yeah. to stay somewhat near her, which is a win for me considering like she's the muscle hamster and can do like that type of workout till the cows come home. So that was fun. Um, So that was more of like a me doing it kind of thing. I really enjoyed the Elizabeth elevated. I thought the yeah, you creative can't be
0: fucking stealing workouts. i doing all of them. You can't <laughs> do any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth
1: elevated as the coach was the most fun because I think a lot of people, And I think I told you about this, what was really unique about that workout is that a lot of people have decent upper body strength and a movement like a handstand walk is unaccessible because they have to be upside down as well. Right. But they're strong enough to move their own body weight ambulating through their hands. They just can't get themselves upside down to hold that balance right. point. So I thought with the boxes elevated and let athletes kind of walk across the box, it gave athletes an opportunity to do something that was unique and weird, which is kind of what the CrossFit Games is all about for yeah. a lot of the high-level athletes. And sometimes that, is, that trickle down doesn't happen to the affiliates. So sometimes that's missing from like the games version of the, uh, the affiliate workouts game style. So I thought it was really fun to have the walking across the box boxes element there because a lot of athletes had a win in a movement they'd never done before. And it was like a cool, they always talk about like how things translate from one thing to another. And sometimes you don't realize that until you do something new like that. Athletes who've been working on their pushups through the capacity builder or been doing a lot of static holds are all of a sudden able to walk on their hands on top of boxes across. And they thought like, they were watching me like demo, like, no friggin' way am I doing that. Right. So to have that kind of win in a workout is really fun because again, that speaks to what this training is all about, which is ready for the unknown and unknowable. So a
2: big one there for, as the coach, I thought that was a fun class to teach. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle. Uh, yeah, my favorite one, we did this. Well, it was, it was the very, I did all of them out here at the gym that we pro after another, <laughs> no, <one laughs> um, it was, uh, oh, just so, the back nine was a was a fun one to do if you got 60 minutes to set up and break yeah, how much down yeah, How much did you work out during that next 60 minutes? It, uh, two minutes and 10, 10 seconds. seconds. Kyle comes into
0: the office and was like, the back nine is great for an hour class. It's 58 minutes to set up, two minutes to do the workout. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, no, that was, it was honestly, it was fun. It was a different, you know, you have you know, three heavy implements and we had a few enough pe- few enough people in class that we all had three different barbells. Oh, sweet. So, so you didn't have to worry you know, about we just, weights off. And exactly, stuff. yeah. We just went from the back rack steps re-racked it ran over to our front squat bar squat cleaned it prayed i got underneath it for that first one (laughs) (laughs) and then uh and then had the deadlift bar in front of it so that was pretty fun and then just caroline was coaching that day and had us like run across the barbells to like the finish line kind of thing so that made a little bit uh more a the games feel uh but my My serious favorite one was we did it on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. I probably would pick a different time to do this one, but Mm. the shuttle to overhead, the uh, the one that was a two-score at the games. Oh, I, I didn't see
0: how that got set up. Did, did yeah? So did Lydia set uh, Coach up Lydia shuttle? did a great. Yeah, yep.
2: we did a shuttle, which Sweet. why I thought it was like fu- really fun because yeah. like we're all used to here running our 400 meter loop, and like if I feel like if I did that one, it was a known element. Like I know how quickly I can run our yep. 400 meter loop here at the gym, but running you know the four 100 meter you know shuttles where we had to roll like turn around a cone each time, come back into the gym, that was a little bit different uh, different element, and in that. We, I think it went two minute window, then three, four. Yep. Yeah. So that wasn't a whole hell of a lot of time to then no. get back inside the gym and then do uh, like a heavy barbell overhead. Um, I, we had a pretty big class. Our 7 a.m. class is a little bit bigger. So, um, I elected to take a bar off the floor, a little bit lighter of a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't quite feeling the 225 we wrote for the RX, yep. <laughs> out of the rack. Pretty, um, so I went beefy. 155 and had a, uh, a games athlete who did the event at the games right next to me doing the exact same bar um, <laughs> off the floor. So uh, that was Throw some extra <laughs> clips on there. <laughs> good race. Uh, but anyway, no, it was good. I, I run back in, run pretty darn hard, especially in those 600 and then the 800. Uh, so, and then just put your hands on the bar and see how many times you can put it overhead. That was, you know, I got a lot more out of it, like conditioning wise than I thought I was going to get in such a short time windows. Those running so,
0: distances and the time windows mm-hmm. really force bit of forced intensity there love when a workout
1: makes the run count like I hate it for myself Mm -hmm. like I don't enjoy a workout that running really matters but like when you teach in the affiliate class and you have a workout where it's like hey like, I don't care if you get to the barbell. If you jog, yeah. you're not getting there. So right. here's your right. incentive. Like I know you love the barbell, right? You got to earn the right to get there. And it's fun when you have, you know, like either Jackie pro where you have to go at a certain pace, mm-hmm. you, you know, have that four minute penalty added to the end of your score, or you're forced to run or you don't get to use the barbell. Like I like those little like incentives for class because it pushes you to go harder than you would otherwise. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I think, yeah, I think mine was Elizabeth doing Elizabeth elevated. I thought, it was just cool. It was just a different workout. Uh, the capital was also pretty fun. Yeah. It was pretty fun to do. I think that was uh, unique. But uh, I don't want to belabor that one too much. But if you if you guys are listening, our affiliate all all of our subscribers got to do mock games week. But we're also giving that away for free. So we took all of the the, affi- the games workouts uh, and affiliatized them. Not only that, we did. We've got like an RX intermediate and beginner version of each because a lot of these, if you. Kind of gathered from our conversation are a bit logistically demanding, um, and that's just kind of the nature of the games. But we try to uh, eliminate as much of the unnecessary logistics as possible without getting rid of like kind of the you know in Elizabeth the cool traverse thing. Like we came up with a way to to get athletes doing that, and like you said, Sherb, sure, every pretty a lot a lot of athletes, even athletes that would i would qu- classify as like a scaled athlete we're able to get some version of that in there based on the versions of the workouts that we wrote so you guys can uh can get those get can get that download for free it'll be on on our through the at team misfit gyms instagram um and on, is it on team misfit.com ted can we uh, yeah. team misfit.com slash uh... affiliate games week Affili- yes. just teamisfit.com slash affiliate games um, but you can get that for free so if even if you're not a follower download that maybe you see a workout that matches up with your gym's programming you want to slide it in there one day it's, it's a good time yeah you might have like that that fun class on the weekend that affords a little bit quieter
1: like kyle said like the you know running the back nine was super fun but like if you had a class of 15 people it'd be pretty hard but maybe you have a weekend class that gets lower attendance and you're like you know what I know you all watch the CrossFit games. Let's do our version of yeah, it. Yeah, we for I
0: mean, we for the bike to work event, we told we, we laid out a, a 3 and a 5 mile bike loop for athletes if they wanted to even bring their road bikes in. That was that was Labor Day for us, so it was a yeah, it was kind pouring, of an open raining. And, and and it was raining. So it was an open gym sort of thing, but um but yeah, that was it was a great time. Um okay, today we're going to be talking about phase 2 for affiliate programming, but we're also going to talk uh, we're going to try to talk about um, how to find wins in training, and again, this applies across the spectrum, whether you're an affi- a scaled affiliate athlete all the way up to an MFT follower. Um, being able to look at your training and either one, hopefully ahead of time, because I think a lot of this has to do with, um, with kind of the preparation that goes into it, and and thinking about what you're trying to get out of a training piece beforehand. But there's also a bit of a debriefing element afterwards that is just like. Especially in the instance of wow, that workout did not go the the way that I thought it would, for better or worse. Um, there's a there's a debriefing element that's required, but. Um the first, I think, the first thing, the first place we have to start with this, as far as like finding those wins, is is under is one defining what it means to w- what a win is, right? What is you know, it's not necessarily just an objective. I went faster or slower, um, and then also understanding the difference between training and testing. And one thing that we do for all of our programs, affiliate and individual is we have that test and retest week, um, which is equal parts to show kind of hold, hold athletes attention, almost like to keep, you know, if it's a, if it's a 12 week training block, people get bored. If there's no, if there's, if we never test or retest anything, then athletes kind of are just like, well, am I making progress? Um, And so we kind of have those test and retest weeks in there for one, the a little bit more of the objective metric of feedback, like Better, 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 same, worse. Um, But we can also, as we'll get into, figure out how to extract wins from different places within those workouts. So, what what do you got? What 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 do we got? Where where are we at? I think we should start probably with like delineating the difference between testing
1: and training. That's probably the best place to start because you know each one of our phases, whether we're talking the affiliate level or MFT Hatchet Masters, whatever you know track you follow along with us you know, testing is a very deliberate thing where if it's reasonably possible for you to do so, you should try to do the workout exactly like it's written, go ahead of time with the best possible strategy for you that's gonna give you the best possible objective score. Like that's probably the easiest way for someone to understand that. Like your goal is to get the best possible score and whatever means you gets you there, that's who you wanna use when we're, we're testing. The other side of the coin for most of your training pieces, you are training, which means you are trying to look at the workout, Think about what element or elements in that workout would give you typically the most trouble. Let's say if this were a test and say, all right, how do I create the most adaptation of the thing that I am worst at so that this comes up a next time that I either know that I need to be a little bit more cautious on the rower so I can do bigger sets of muscle ups or, Hey, maybe I need to make sure that I run harder because I got done and I was like, you know what? That wasn't as hard as it need to be. And I moved the barbell beautifully, but I didn't, you know, I shuffled my feet a little too slow and that didn't allow me to get the score that I wanted. So I think the you know, you'll spend 98% of your life, 99% of your life training and about 1% testing. But again, the testing is basically just a checkpoint of where you are in your fitness, whereas training is where you make the difference and how you allow yourself to perform better on said test. So that's sort of how I think of the two things. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to either one of those things. Maybe something I missed comparing the two. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that because I have a little bit more to say. I
0: think the only thing that I would Would adjust, you said like 98% of your time is training two percent is testing whatever uh the only qualifier i would add to that is the the more of a beginner you are or a beginner athlete you have the more everything is a test right if you if you've got stuff that you haven't done before it's like if you got athletes at the affiliate level asking like what's this movement again it's like that they're they're almost it's it's almost not even worth delineating like there isn't a difference between training and testing we're just trying to get this athlete comfortable (laughs) once (laughs) once you get to a point where it's like okay i'm you've kind of, you've leveled out as far as solidifying where you're at. That's when it becomes a little bit more, obviously we're, we're training more frequently than we're testing. Yeah. So the next, next layer that I would say after we
1: kind of delineate the two between training and testing would be, you know, us coaches do whiteboard briefs. Part of that whiteboard brief is to make sure everyone knows what they're doing. They know the intent of the workout, how to pace it, the workout should feel like. Those are things that are of setting the stage for an athlete to understand and start making like plans in their head for like how a workout should go and how they should approach it so they can get the most from it. Because the way I'd like to think of a win for, you know, the majority of our members is getting a good workout and being safe. Like if we can check both of those boxes, you know, every day you come in, you're safe. You left here, not injured and you got a good workout for 95% of the time. We're doing a really good job as coaches. Now, there is another 5%, you know, the bonus credit, extra points that you can get by helping an athlete really understand kind of the ins and outs of what each stimuli mean, what each pacing thing means. But early on, I think it's really important for us coaches to set the stage of like how it could go so that athletes get those wheels turning and start to understand how we think about workouts so they can hopefully get in the same mindset because when they're on the same wavelength as you, it's really easy to have that conversation about, hey, you know, I know you can power snatch, let's say today's class workout, which is power snatches and body weight lunges. Like, I know you can snatch 95 pounds, but I heard you say it in class. Can you do it as an unbroken set for seven straight minutes, six reps every single time you go back to the bar? And if you can't, then you probably should go lighter. And when an athlete begins to understand that's what we're after there is unbroken sets and fast movement back and forth between stages stations, we start to set the stage for what a workout can do for the athlete, which is create a certain type of adaptation and It does take some time to get athletes on that wavelength, but if you can create that like symbiotic relationship between you and the athlete where you're both kind of thinking the same weight when they walk in, you're probably gonna get better adaptation and you have that you finally kind of earn that buy-in with that athlete, which is gonna help them start to figure out how do I all right, now I got one win, how do I get more wins in this class?
0: Yeah, the I think the as athletes like kind of again cross that threshold of like, okay, I've got all my Like, I understand how this, I understand how the whole thing works, right? I've got like, I understand the movements. I understand like what I'm supposed to be doing. I I get all this. Then it starts to become like, okay, how do I maximize the program? How do I get the most out of all this stuff? And that's what you're saying. And I think from a coaching perspective, that's super important to be addressing with athletes, especially like, especially the more advanced they get. And you get athletes who start to maybe drink the Kool Aid and are just like, how do I get better? How do I get better? Mm. That's when coaches like we have to step in and be like, make sure we're not confusing. Like, oh, I I can't because I can't power snatch 95 pounds. I'm not strong enough. It's like, well, like, let's pump the brakes on that. Let's have a conversation about this. Or maybe you have an athlete who's really loves the barbell and it's a, a running and, you know, a running and snatch workout and it's a heavy barbell. And, and that athlete's going to say like, yeah, I'm just going to jog my 400 meter runs and so that I can prioritize the barbell that's when a coach gets to step in and be like if you want to get the most out of this if you want to get a training win that may not necessarily re- reflect on the whiteboard you have to go in and say you know what i'm going to run pretty hard and if that means i got to put my hands on my knees and gasp for air a little bit before i pick the barbell up that's what it that's what where the improvement It's funny,
1: you're going the direction I was going to say here, because a lot of times we'll get like a, you know, us coaches will give sort of like a blanket statement to the whole room. You get a mixed crowd of, you know, 15 different athletes. You have beginners, seasoned vets, you know, young folks, older folks, and you give a delivery like, hey, you should be able to get eight rounds of this. Like just say it's running in power snatches Mm -hmm. and it's whatever, an eight minute AMRAP. Yeah. And you want people to get eight rounds, but then you look at the person in class that you know has the capacity to do eight rounds but they're probably going to scale the barbell a little bit too much. And it's like, no, 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 I know you love running. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to go for four rounds, but you're going to use the RX weight today because that's going to create the right adaptation for you. And that is something coaches have to basically earn the right to say with an athlete. Having put enough eyes on that athlete, seen enough reps from that athlete to know what they like to gravitate towards and to make sure you're just kind of steering them in a direction that creates adaptation because we don't, we will get an athlete fitter, even if they highlight their strengths and kind of minimize their weaknesses over a long period of time. They, athletes will get fitter, but most athletes will come back to you more upset about something they're bad at than excited about something they're good at. And when the open comes around, what typically gets highlighted? Things that get hold you back. I don't have the muscle-ups, or I couldn't move the barbell, or I don't have the double under. And you know, we have this period throughout the entire year where it's like, hey, I know you're going to get less rounds than everybody else, but you're going to do 10 double unders every single round where everyone else is doing, you know, 40 and they, and you would normally just do 40 single unders Cause that's going to keep you moving. I don't care about that. And again, this is because I care about you. I want you to understand that like when the open comes around, you're going to come back to me and talk to me about how this is frustrating you still. And I'm going to be like, well, we either addressed it six months ago when I made you do the 10 double unders in class, or we're in the same place we were last year where you were you know, pushing back a bit. And now that's why you haven't developed that skill and why we're in the same conversation. You know, that felt like we had a year ago. It's like groundhog's day. So I think that early on you delivered this blanket statement of how a workout's supposed to go. And then the finer nuances of coaching is being able to go back to an athlete, maybe ahead of the workout. And then maybe something I like to do is I give my general feedback to the class about how a workout should go. And then as people are setting up their barbells and warming up movements, I'm walking around and going, 55, you think? Hmm, I think 65. Or I'm walking around. I'm like, all right, what pace you're gonna hold in the rower? N- not 150. Let's go 145 today. <laughs> and, and again, a lot of times, like, what the fuck? You're sabotaging me. It's like, guess what? Doesn't matter. Who's the fittest person on September 2nd, 2001? It doesn't matter. Mm. What does matter is that you got better at something you're not good at today, and that means I'm gonna force you to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. But if you stick with me and you follow what I say and do your best effort. Six months from now, you're going to be like, I remember when I used to be laughable that I asked you to power snatch 95 pounds and now I'm doing it for touch and go sets of 10. Like, that's something that an athlete will truly appreciate and helps again build that rapport between you as the coach and them as the athlete that gets them on your side so that when you scale them or tell them to do something in class, it's like a, you know, without being total sergeant like sir yes sir they're doing that because they understand that you have their best interest in mind and that's that's a really good way to start building a tighter community because they trust you wholeheartedly to give them the best stimulus
0: all right everyone just a quick break from the show to talk about our singular show sponsor today and that is team misfit.com affiliate programming uh our affiliate programming is the or rather is the affiliate programming side of the misfit athletics kind of programming hierarchy and we take the same kind of structure that we use for our individual programming and apply it down to the affiliate level. So what does that mean? You guys are getting warm-ups, you're getting a skill component, either either a skill or a lifting component, a conditioning piece, and then a competitor extra every single day. You get your warm-ups, you get plenty of coaches' notes to assist with scaling, timing of your class, as well as target scores for your athletes to reach for. We've been running this kind of structure for the last, I don't know, three to five years. And and we're constantly improving it. But uh, it is by far the best product that we've ever put out as far as affiliate programming goes. And we'd love to have you on board. So you can sign up through teammisfit.com or through the Sugarwad Marketplace. And again, Phase 2 starts on October 3rd. We always recommend affiliates get a week or two um, maybe ahead of that just to kind of get adjusted to the programming, to the style, so your coaches are ready to roll. But Phase, the start of a phase is always a terrific time to get your affiliate on board. So again, that's teammisfit.com or the Sugarwad Marketplace. All right, back to the show. Yeah, I think the... uh, Well, yeah. For sure. I think then kind of moving on a little bit towards the um, defining what it means to win. Like we've got our objective metric. So when athletes go into phase two and on day one, it's a one rep max squat clean because that's our, our high CNS lift um, and then retest it in week seven. We're obviously hoping for for a an objective improvement, like Mm. more weight was lifted that one time, Mm -hmm. but there's also, and we've talked about this a lot before, there's the, there's the, the more subjective improvements, the technique improvements. Uh, you know, we spent, an entire phase working on the front squat as the skill piece. But then we did the tempo clean as the skill element. And, and now we're, and now we're uh, introducing the squat clean as like the high CNS lift. So there's the kind of that there's the opportunity within the program for a coach to watch an athlete go from one phase to the next, to the next, and see improvement, and I think a lot of this has to do with coaches picking out the improvement for the athlete because athletes don't, athletes aren't necessarily Aware. the best at picking out, and just just awareness, like they're not, they can't, they don't see themselves unless they're filming themselves in the middle of class, which most mm-hmm. aren't. They're not seeing the technical improvements until a coach points it out, um, and I think that's a su- that's an important point to make. Is like as a coach, if you're watching an athlete over the course of You know, some some of you've probably we've I've coached some of these athletes for like five years. I feel bad because I'm just like I don't know what else to say to you. Like I've I feel like I've said everything under the sun to you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're still coaching them, but like you know, you see an athlete over a really long period of time, if they're making that improvement, you got to point it out like one of the best things you can do if you want to encourage behavior is to tell tell somebody that what they just did was really good and to keep doing it. Yeah. And I I think an easy
1: way to for a lot of people out there who coach to understand this is we all have that athlete that is super consistent. They come to the gym four or five days a week. They won't miss one single day of your skill front squat your tempo clean or your high CNS lift. They'll go the entire phase and maybe they match their PR exactly again on retest week. And then some random lifting ladder where you get to do some rowing and then you do a clean, then you do some rowing and a clean. All of a sudden it build something heavy. They PR and they're like, holy freaking shit. I just PR'd my clean. The phase was four months ago. How is this possible? And it's like, because during that last phase and the last, whatever, six months leading up to it, you were super deliberate about making sure your feet were in the right place. And that when you received the front squat and the clean that you are upright with your torso and you've worked on faster elbows. So, you know, as coaches, it's really important that not only at the end of a class, but as you're watching an athlete move, you watch the rep, you give them sort of feedback and then you stay for another rep or two mm-hmm. and give yep. very specific feedback. Good, better, or sorry, better, worse, or the same. If you, you aren't giving them that kind of feedback. If you just say do this and you walk away, how do they know they're getting better? And again, that's not how you're going to create the behavior where they're like, all right, shit, maybe I should try to do one of these things because the coach tells me it's going better. And all of a sudden these pulls and these front squats feel so much different than they used to. And that's because you gave them objective feedback and they heard from you afterwards that that went better. It was the same or worse. And that is how you start to create these wins because you're right. Sometimes you're going to go through an entire phase and I don't know, half the memberships doesn't PR and they're all a bit frustrated. They spend all that time doing maybe a lift they don't like so they like because some people don't like squat cleans that they're their power clean, everything in the rest of their life. And they're like, why would I do all this work if it doesn't pay off? And more often than not, I think that's an athlete that maybe didn't get the attention they needed to focus on things throughout the entire phase. And more often than not, had they got a little bit more feedback throughout the phase, they would be okay with the fact that like, hey, I am improving on elements of the clean, even if my number at the end of the day isn't higher just yet because it will be in the, on the road.
0: It's a big... I think there's there's a lot of responsibility on a coach to, like you said at the beginning, kind of at that whiteboard brief, to be setting the stage for an athlete. Like, we... We do that pretty often, especially if it's like a, if there's a workout with a little bit of nuance or with a strategy that's involved, we will give athletes like, hey, if you are this type of athlete, this is kind of what you should be aiming for. If there's a machine, like this is the kind of pace you should be aiming to hold. Like you and I, we were just talking about Monday's workout, which was the biking assault bike run interval bike run, run bike, everyone's switching least back workout and forth, of the week which, so far. Which, which you welcome. said was everybody's <laughs> everybody seemed to really enjoy
1: it. I got a what, lot what, of nasty comments <laughs> yesterday. I thought like rotten fruit was gonna get thrown at me at the whiteboard yesterday. What,
0: what was what was your did you have a specific strategy? Because you were talking to me, you were like all oh, Andrew and I were racing and there was only a few second difference, but the <laughs> and I was like, yeah, five percent increase in effort on that kind of workout right. is like a hundred percent increase in discomfort yes
2: (laughs) no 100 percent. so for like for me like just my perspective when i did that workout i knew that like the run i could be pretty like i was more comfortable the run than the bike but i so i knew that my 500 meters on the bike i could get there in 45 seconds but i have to hold x wattage Yep. so like my goal was every time i got on the bike was to stay above that wattage floor and you know i was right around 90 seconds no matter the order bike work bike then run or run then bike Yep. and then i could push it a little bit more on the run because that's where i could make up a little bit more bang for my buck across the all the different intervals,
1: right? Yeah. Cause you could have, you could have done that workout. You could have sort of mailed in the bike a little bit more, maybe gone a hundred Watts less, but maybe that bought you 10 extra seconds on a run, but you're already good at running. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, if I, you know, I was coaching that class, be like, Hey Kyle, like it's not important to me that you can run a 115, 400. I know you have those like all day, every day. Your goal is try to hold a 400 watt assault bike for one K over and over again. And you're going to hate it. But guess what? I don't care if your your split isn't great. But if you hold 400 every single time, that is a win for you today because you know don't take offense, but a smaller athlete holding the 400 uh, watt on the bike would not be easy for six intervals. Like that's a challenging <laughs> yeah a challenging <laughs> yeah. you know pace to try to hold. Mm-hmm. So like as the coach, that's something I can set you up ahead of time and say, hey, you know what, 400s your floor. You run at a pace that allows you to go 400 because I'm not worried about you losing 30 seconds off your 400 meter split. I am more concerned with like you racing Hunter side by side and you guys being comparable runners, but he can bike at, you know, 50 Watts higher than you. And that's why he beat you through every single interval by, you know, seven or eight seconds. Like how we close the gap between you two isn't the run. It's Mm. you being able to bike harder. And then when someone does that, you go over and you ask them how it went and you celebrate that. Or you say, Hey, guess what? Today you got four to six. That's pretty good. Yeah, Six months ago, that would have been one out of six. So like, that's a huge win there. So mm-hmm. what you're describing is exactly what a coach needs to be able to do with athletes on a nuanced level is saying, hey, you know, I know you, I've seen you do enough workouts. I know what things you tend to highlight and things that maybe you in the past haven't been a strength of yours. Let's pour a little more effort into that weakness today and, you know, sort of rest on our laurels a bit more on the things that we're good at.
0: Yeah, I think. And then along with kind of the, so we've got obviously like the, the load improvement maybe there's a pacing element where it's just like hey after the workout an athlete can say like kyle can say like wow oh i was actually i was successful at that and maybe that actually wasn't even as bad as i thought it was it sounds like it was it but was pretty bad it yeah. was pretty bad okay so maybe it was like okay well that i mean that's useful too it's like mm-hmm. that's my line that's yeah. how hard i can go for and in a workout like that it's really useful because it's basically like three minutes of continuous work biking and running like you don't get more much more accessible than that it's no. like okay that is my that is how hard I can go for three straight minutes with and then two minutes of rest. How do I translate that to other conditioning pieces or other workouts? Or it's just as simple as, oh, it turns out I know that I can hold this pace for this long, this many times and that becomes valuable again, next time that's in a workout, maybe it shows up. maybe there's an open workout that has a, a movement specifically. And then there's some other stuff that like the the technical improvements. And this is part of the reason we have that the skill lift every phase where we're saying like, hey, I don't give a shit if that's an empty barbell for the next seven weeks. The skill lift is a the reason it's the skill lift is because it requires skill. It's not as much about how strong you are. It's about how, you know, and a lot of times it's an Olympic lift. So when we start doing the, the tempo pull squat snatch, something similar that we did last year. And because you know that if we're, we're going to do it for seven weeks in phase two, and then in phase three, athletes are going to get to do some snatch percentage work for the high CNS lift. But we saw huge, huge gains in snatch, and my, myself included, I had a lifetime PR in my snatch after those two phases of not snatching more than 135 for like seven weeks straight. And then my percentage work brought me, you know, brought me a, a lifetime PR. But that's that's another that's a pretty that's an easier one to identify for an athlete like you really cleaned up your movement pattern and look what it did for you
1: yeah the skill unlocks your strength there and that's something i tell everybody here you're not going to get better by increasing the load skill is developed through repetition the more repetitions you get and the more you can be deliberate and focused and the fact that you're not worried about the barbell yanking you and your toes or knocking you off balance like there are people who do this entire phase with 10-pound plates on each side of their barbell every single week, week after week after week. But those are the people who end up having the 30, 40, 50-pound PRs from the beginning of the phase to the end of the phase because they spend the time that they need to spend finding what elements of the lift are missing and cleaning those up. Like, And again, for a lot of athletes, they aren't strong enough to manipulate a bar and be in the right positions at those loads. So like, I think one thing that you or I particularly like to do in class is if we take classes and we have a skill lift like this, we might actually have one of the lightest barbells in the entire room. And what we're trying to do is to show people like, this is what you're supposed to be doing this with. We snatch significantly more. We clean significantly more than this. But both of us know we have movement inefficiencies and we're not going to fix it with 185 on the barbell. We're going to fix it with 95 pounds on the barbell. And the hope is... When we take class as both coaches in the affiliate, but also athletes in the affiliate, that people take notice of the way we're trying to approach things. So they'll follow along so it doesn't become, you know, who can throw the ball the farthest kind of thing. It's like, it's not an ego thing. It's really about who can move the best and if that means the entire sessions with an empty barbell or just tens on each side, that's what we want you to do. And I, thankfully I think it's becoming a culture thing that everybody appreciates at our affiliate and it didn't, it didn't, wasn't an easy thing at first. People are going to push back at first because they feel like they're not doing the right thing or it's not heavy enough to get in the right positions. And my favorite response to that is like, yeah, you know what? When you first learned how to drive a car, you started a NASCAR, right? 200 miles an hour. Absolutely. No, no, you didn't. You started with your grandma's jalopy and you're going at 15 miles an hour and you're worried about bumping into cones. Like, When you start anything new, go to the slowest, safest iteration of it, which for most people's tempo, empty bar reps. And when you develop proficiency, then and only then do you sort of earn the right to then move on to heavier weights because otherwise you're just going to build bad habits. And sometimes these habits take years to correct if you let them go on for long enough. So, you know, a lot of people who buy in and say, all right, I'll do this. Aren't people who are you know two years later being like, man, I've been at the same squat clean PR for the last two years, and it's really pissing me off that I'm not getting better. It's like, all right, well, last time there's a tempo phase or a skill based phase. How many days did you stay below forty percent? Most would be like zero. Well, we got your answer there. Let's make sure that the next one comes up. We spend more time sub forty percent or whatever. I mean, that forty percent is arbitrary, but we're staying at a percentage that allows us to move really well because that's what's going to create change.
0: Yeah, I almost consider the skill lifting element i almost maybe should like re-retitle it like repatterning, or just like teaching <laughs> it's just it's it's re it's it's putting the correct movement pattern into your brain it's, it's like the skill lift has to be thought of as a as a neurological adaptation session where we're trying to get athletes to clean up movement patterns and in a lot of instances especially if athlete you have an athlete who comes from a different gym this happens at our gym all the time, and I don't. That's not. This is nothing against other gyms, but it's like I'd almost rather have a raw beginner in class because at least I can teach that. I know I'm gonna like. Hey, you ain't snatching. You're, like them up shit. The right You're way. Not snatching like shit under and you know in under my watch. So like I'll I'll stick you with a PVC pipe for for the next seven weeks if we have to. But a lot of times you get athletes who come from a different gym. Maybe they didn't get great coaching, or they just weren't taught well, and they've got some wonky patterns. And it's like, hey, like. I know you've been snatching like this for the last four years. That's not a snatch. Like, we got we to gotta clean this up. If you want to work on this, it's got to be light. It's got to be... Um, and that's and that's part of that subjective improvement, right? It's like, was I able to get into that power position when I hit my new, my one rep max, even if it's lighter than it was before? You know, am I, am I consistently keeping my heels down as, you know throughout the the first and second poll, et cetera. A big part of this is too, is is hard for
1: a lot of athletes to understand that every day at the CrossFit gym doesn't need to be a metabolic beatdown. And I think that there is an element of like how you feel at the end of a really hard Metcon. Like everyone felt super fucked up on Monday because of the bike running Mm -hmm. piece. And like, they were like, damn, that was a good workout. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right but think about what would happen if you did that continually day after day after day for weeks, people would drag through the mud. They wouldn't come in. You'd have overuse injuries equivalent
0: with a barbell every, every day. was like 70% plus of snatch clean and jerk back squat, deadlift. And and one of the the elements of
1: of CrossFit is practicing skills and drills. And most people equate that with like gymnastics. Like I got to work on my kipping pull up or my muscle up. And like, those are awesome expressions of skills and drills. But like, How often, for those of you that are frustrated about not having muscle-ups or not having handstand walks, do you try to perfect your push-up? Or do you grab a barbell and literally do 100 muscle cleans ahead of your very light tempo clean session? Like, how much time do you spend doing those things? And what I'm trying to get here is, When you go and do that, you create neurological adaptation, which helps you be a more skilled athlete, which then is both easier on your central nervous system, but also allows you to train more consistently. Because again, if you train high CNS, something that beats you into the ground day after day after day, eventually all your investment of energy comes with diminished returns. Well, what would allow someone who likes to exercise a lot the opportunity to do so, but not the expense of being further beat down? Consider mixing in skills and drills into your programming. And that's one thing we try to do with Team Misfit is to make sure that there aren't, you know, just five straight days of just absolute just thrashings that, you know, a couple of days of thrashings, a couple of days of skills, a couple of days of, you know, maybe monostructural. So you are a little bit easier on the joints, a couple of days away from pulling the barbell with your shoulders. Like we think about these things because we understand like approximately what an athlete should have over the course of one single week a training phase or a training year. And if you are constantly just beating people down, you know, you're gonna have a couple of people who really like that, but then athletes who are constantly getting hurt and not coming to the gym consistently. And that's one of our big goals with Team Misfit is to make sure that when an athlete comes to your gym, they're getting such a well-rounded program that if they wanted to train four or five days a week, they could do so smartly and not just be absolutely mutilated by the programming because any asshole can write a hard workout. Like literally any asshole can make a hard workout and just say, go really hard, go. Yeah. That is not good programming. That's not good coaching. So we try to take that element of what we think is, all right, anybody can write a hard workout to be like, all right, there are days they are going to be hard and you have to try really hard, but there also can be days where most of the day is spent, refining a really light Olympic lift and then working on things like strict pull-ups and push-ups. And no one's going to leave that day being like, Oh my God, that crushed me. But when things come up like, Hey, do you want to do muscle ups? Oh yeah, I can do muscle ups. Cause I have the strength that I need. Or, Hey, you want to see what you can do in this squat clean ladder? Yeah, I'm excited about it because I've been working on the skill of this movement and that creates a better, more tight knit community because athletes see that you're there for them. And you understand that like if they just came to the gym every day and got beat down. They wouldn't be coming back as consistently.
0: Yeah, the um, I think the another another element of that too is like you kind of alluded to it. Like, how often do you work on push-ups? It's like, well, we another win that we I think our coaches do a really good job of is like is movement PRs, and it's not necessarily like I got my first X, Y, or Z. It's I got wow, I've never done that many reps of this movement in a workout. I would say like. You know, handstand push-ups are one of them. This in, in phase two, you've got we've got pull-ups and bar muscle-ups as part of our as as our two gymnastics focal focus movements for the phase. Um, and we pretty consistently are you know athletes are are just like, hey, I can do bar muscle-ups. Let's say it's got it's a workout with ten rounds of three bar muscle-ups and some other movements, whatever. So it's thirty total bar muscle-ups. And someone's like, well. I just got my first bar muscle up like 3 weeks ago and I I can turns out I can consistently do one like okay rep and it's like should I just scale this to chest to bar pull ups and some days it might be appropriate for that and other days it might be like no let's do like let me ask you this I'll ask somebody like if in 20 if 20 minutes from now you had completed 10 bar muscle ups in a workout under intensity would you be excited about it and they're just like fuck yeah it's like okay great so it's 10 rounds one bar muscle up every time and then it's like... And then they do it and they finish the workout and they're just like... I was just like, hey, great job. Like, you got 10 rounds. What was your time? And you underline it for a PR and in parentheses, it's like, you know, bar muscle ups, up, a yeah. vo- uh, volume PR or something like that. And you we put- do that with...
2: So I was just to say yeah. perfect example was Jackie Pro on Friday. Mm. I had several people. You know, since it had a time cap of fifteen minutes, like they had some bar muscle ups. We had, I mean, I could think of two different examples. Like we had one athlete in the morning. You know, really strong athlete. She can do one bar muscle up, maybe two linking. Yep. This is Nicole. I think we yep. all know who we're talking about. And I mean, she got thirty single bar muscle ups <laughs> and finished. <laughs> well, it's funny, she was talking the to me about cap. the workout that exactly. time. I She's like, "How yeah. many bar
1: muscle should I do?" I'm like what do you mean? 30 is the answer. She goes, yeah, but I'm not going to finish. I'm like Hmm. thing just real quick. You're a pretty (laughs) good rower. You're pretty good thrusters. Let's say they both go really bad for you. Like, like you have a really rough time that you're still going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of about six minutes to do bar muscle ups, like six whole minutes to do bar muscle ups. Do you think you could do five a minute? She goes, well, when you put it like that, I think I could. Mm. And I'm like, perfect. So you just said, take a swing. Let's see what happens. And guess what? With three or five seconds left, the 30th bar muscle up happened and she had never done a workout with that many in it.
2: Right. And I had the same kind of thing later on the day with another athlete where I didn't know he hadn't done X like a, what's the 30 reps in a workout before. Um, but when he finished, he's like, well, I've never done that before. He finished like 14 minutes and got all 30 of his bar muscle ups, you know, completed in there. And I'm like, well, guess what next time there's a workout it's got 30 spread out well hey you've done it like so don't remember it that. again <laughs> exactly. don't do it again that's yeah. important
0: that's a good point is to like pay it is to tell like athlete afterward like hey like remember this like don't forget mm-hmm. that you can if you just said if you're telling me you just did that like you got to write that down somewhere or put put a you know mental bookmark in your head that says like okay you know that's not to say that every time 30 bar muscle ups pops up in a workout that you're going to do it but mm-hmm. like at least, you know, at least you you've got something uh, a a metric to go off of. It's, well, it's always a little easier to, to adjust from a known point than it is to to just kind of fire blindly. Well, it's a little plug from our
1: friends at Sugarwad, too. The reason we use Sugarwad is to allow athletes the ability to track their workouts, right, so right. that when a movement comes up, they can go back into their app, tap on the movement, and be like, "When's the last time I did this? Yeah. What are my notes?" Oh, look at this. I did 20 last time and this workout calls for 25. Well, that seems a reasonable jump from last time to this time. Let me try to see if I can get 25 in this workout, which again is a really important part here. Like, you highlight for an athlete. Like, one of the things I like to say to an athlete, it's like, that's awesome. You did it for the first time. Make sure you record that so we know this for next time. Like, whether that's a barbell PR or like, you know, we did this skill speed medley in the games, mock games week. And, you know, one of the things that has in there are those unbroken sets of jump rope, right? You had your 75 unbroken single owners, your double owners, your crossover. And I told the athletes at the gym that I was working at that night, you have three opportunities to do it unbroken on the fourth one. If you don't get it unbroken, just do the rest of the reps, just figure out and get through the remaining some. So I had three separate athletes who PR their double unders in the middle of that workout. And that's like, all right, so maybe your heart rate wasn't through the roof, but you just did more double unders in a row than you've ever done in your life. You never would have done that if I just said scale to single unders. So like, it's important for us coaches that like, you know, a lot of times we keep the reins a little bit tighter to keep athletes moving really well and, you know, give them a good workout. But occasionally it's appropriate to have an athlete struggle a bit. Like, was Nicole going super fast to those 30 bar muscle ups in terms of like her relative speed to that there were chest of bar pull ups? No. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you she's way more proud of being able to do 30 bar muscle ups than she would have if she did 30 beautiful chest of bar pull ups. Like, just right. based on the fact that like that's something she's been working on. So it's important to understand when you're working with your community, like, what things scratch what itch for what athletes like some athletes are going to be really excited about hitting a heavier barbell or some athletes are going to be really happy about keeping some kissing splits or getting a gymnastics movement part of our jobs as coaches is to the best of our abilities, to keep those mental notes ahead like squirreled away somewhere and when that person comes back i mean like 30 muscle ups last time today's got 35 let's see if we can get all 35 this time
0: yeah, yeah. um okay moving on a little bit so One of the other elements we like to mix into the programming is a GPP lift, general physical preparedness. Most of the time, this is a lift that, a lift or even a gymnastics movement that we're not hitting directly in the programming, but we would like we want to make sure it gets addressed. So we're going to alternate back and forth between back squatting and front squatting. Boom. Everybody, come on. Everyone hates that. Everybody, hates, everybody hates that. So <laughs> it's one intended to kind of supplement that clean work. So again, clean is kind of a skill-based thing. The snatch is kind of a skill-based thing. The uh, the gymnastics work is obviously a bit skill-based. So we want to make sure the back squat, the front squat, um, more, more so the back squat than the front squat is where we're going to develop that strength. But one, one point to have here is that when when we're programming gpp stuff i give you guys a little bit of guidance whether it's like heavy or heavy and low rep or high rep and and lighter but a lot of times these are this is these are the days that we see athletes pr their lifts randomly um so and previously we would you know ask us 5 years ago if you could pr your back squat on a random wednesday and someone would come across the gym with a with a PVC pipe and stab you with it, um, and now it's a little bit more. It's like, hey, we understand some some days athletes got it, some days they don't. But we don't want to we don't want to hinder an athlete from going for that big lift if they've got it. So having that GPP lift mixed into the programming, and let's say it is like, okay, you've got a uh, is today the five four three two one or uh, it, three? Like it ends with a three, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the competitor extra has a ends with a heavy triple back squat for today. Different different phase, but the idea remains the same it's like okay if if today you're feeling good go for a 3 rep max and that is to 1 because it's the gpp lift and we're okay with that for that specific category it might might be a little bit more cautious if with the high cns lift because we have a pretty deliberate progression that we're we're pushing for athletes but when it's a G, the gpp lift we're not necessarily structuring this, you know, this, this linear progression for athletes. Rather, we're just trying to maintain kind of some strength and familiarization with the movement. And I think that just goes to, again, thinking about ways to find wins. It's like on those days, sometimes you got to let athletes, you know, ride the lightning, so Mm. to speak. You, Mm. you say that a lot in your classes, like, Hey, if it's feeling good today, like today's the, today's a good day to let her rip. That doesn't always apply, but it does sometimes and when you give athletes that opportunity all of a sudden it's they you know things are moving fast and they're kind of like huh well the reverse of that too is 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 that like some days someone
1: comes in and done the whole tire phase and they go to test day and they slept like shit and had a stressful Mm -hmm. day at work and they come in and their batteries drain and they're just super deflated by the fact they didn't pr and it's like hey don't forget about all these factors and just just wait a little bit i bet you surprise yourself when it happens randomly in a metcon one day and you add five more pounds to a barbell you ever hit like this happens all the time. When you have someone who can basically PR and demand like the end of every single phase, it's like, congratulations. You're like still beginner slash intermediate yeah. when it right. starts to be further and farther between. It's like, congratulations. You have earned your stripes. You come here consistently enough that you're not going to be off the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that feels like the opposite of a win, but it's like, Hey, all that means is a testament to your commitment in terms of how often you come here. And you know, you will get there again. If you keep focusing and being deliberate, just know that as you graduate from beginner and intermediate towards more of a seasoned vet, like that's where we have to find more of those objective wins. So we're talking about, you know, barbell placed better on the front rack or your feet were in a more optimal position to make sure your knees drove out in the bottom of a front squat. Like those are the wins we have to go around and tell those athletes as they get more advanced, because they're going to be looking for things that are a bit more subjective as opposed to, you know, is this bar clearly heavier or is my time clearly faster? Right.
0: Um, Okay, last point here and you actually just kind of alluded to it is just like oh it's I somehow PR'd my lift in a Metcon. Yeah, we like to lift in Metcons sometimes too. So one of the other things that we're going to focus on some weeks we'll have some lifting within a workout which is will look like some percentage based stuff inside of a Metcon, so breathing hard and then doing some split jerks or push jerks or to this phase fa- phase 2 will be shoulder to overhead, but um Another great point of feedback for an athlete. How often have you guys seen in a Metcon? Hey, it's a 20 minute AMRAP row, 300 meters, one split jerk every round, add 10 pounds to the barbell until, until you fail or until it's too heavy and athlete, how many PR and how many PRs do you see? It's like, it's like, and then people are just like, why the fuck did that happen? Like, is it a warm-up thing? Is it a, I'm not thinking so much about the lift. I'm just doing it sort of thing. I don't know, but yes. it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes is probably the right yeah. answer. But again, giving athletes the opportunity for, you know, to do those things and then for them more importantly trying to pick out what's the what's the common variable between, you know, what what day what's happening on the days that I'm the most successful? Is it I always PR my lift in a metcon? Is it like, well, then is it is it be is it a warm up thing? Is it yeah. is it actually that thing? Is it that you are actually warm fifteen minutes into the metcon when you you know so maybe maybe take the warm up a little bit more seriously or is it more of a uh, like it's like yeah I just don't have to think about it. Some athletes say that too. It's just like yeah I'm not really thinking. I'm just you know because I'm breathing hard. I'm I've still got ten more minutes left, so it's not like this is the this matters that much. So I'm just gonna lift. Oh shit, that was a PR like. Oh, great job. Keep doing it
1: Yeah, as coaches. We we're excited regardless of the reasoning, but when that does happen, it does, you know, warrant a conversation afterwards to be like, Hey, what is the, what is the element that was missing from most days? And, you know, then trying to re- reverse engineer that when it comes time to do it, like, you know, when we have our as squat clean for class. Like you best believe before we start the percentage, like the buildup for it that we're getting sweaty for 15
0: to 20 minutes and yeah. people are like,
1: Holy hell. I thought we were lifting weights today. Why am I breathing yeah. so damn heavy and
0: dripping sweat? And it's yeah, like, jokes on you. You don't yeah. you think there's no Metcon in class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone
1: will be fucking pissed at me because they'll come to my like deadlift day and it's like before the deadlift workout, we're doing a 15 minute AMRAP of like, Russian kettlebell swings and a saw bike and handstand holds and like
0: six other things. And they're like, Sherb the loves fuck? to haze the Monday morning evening classes before a lifting day. It's so like, great. hey,
1: like you want to lift heavy, right? You want to feel good doing it, right? And they're all like, yeah, I'm like, well, I got something for you. Just wait. And yeah, we'll do it. And then we'll most times, this. you know, Yes, though the athletes are like, "Fuck, you caused me to have one less pound on my barbell this week than I would have had." But most people <laughs> appreciate the fact that they were good and sweaty, and that like all of their reps felt good because their body was actually alert and ready to do the, you know the work ahead of them.
0: That's all right. Extra cardio is good for him. Yeah, I agree. So. Gentlemen, I think we I think we hit everything. Anything? Last last minute thoughts? Anything last to minute add? Thoughts? I mean, final thoughts? I guess we that's said what like eight hundred times,
1: things. but I definitely think it we weren't, weren't saying again like being, if you're looking to be the highest level coach you can be, you have to really know and hopefully love your members to the point that you care enough about what they're doing in the gym, that you are aware of things like this happening. Like, of course, there's going to be people who PR in the corner because they don't want coach watching and that like gives them anxiety. So they're like off in the corner doing their own thing. But like try to go out of your way to make sure that if someone does something for new for the first time that you celebrate that and maybe even bring them in front of that, maybe not in front of the class, but maybe you yell it out in front of the class and say, hey, guess who just PR their squawking, or guess who just did their second bar muscle up ever. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, the Adam might be a little bit of like, Oh, why did they, you know highlight me? But at the end of the day, that's going to build up their self-esteem, which is only going to make them want to come back to the gym and tell their friends about your gym and why that place is so special to them. And then not only does that make your gym a tighter community, but it actually helps your business grow because, when someone feels celebrated and you know appreciated, they're gonna want to tell other people about it. So while it seems like it might be a little extra work on the coaching side, it typically goes a long ways towards paying it forward
2: and growing your community, so you can help more people in this you know this awesome career we have. I guess the the thing that kept pumping into my mind when we were talking about like the skill repetition and just doing things slowly and over and over again so we can get better at the the skill before we lift heavy was I mean I before coaching came from the, you know, special education realm as a teacher. And, you know, that's how humans learn is, is the, we call it scaffolding in like the educational psychology field. Like you're building up, like, or the building blocks. If you think about that, there's a reason why we're slowing it down. We're keeping the bar empty, slowly adding a little bit of weight. Once Mm. we, you know, start to really build those neurological components in our head before we can actually, you know, put on a heavy weight and move the, move the bar. So just reminding people that, well, that's just how your brain works. That's how like humans work and how yeah. we learn. So just bring it back to that a little bit. You got some people that are, you know, balking at slowing down. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: no, right. I think, uh, yeah, my final thought, I think, is for for you coaches listening. one One thing that we didn't really hit on. So it works for my final thought is to <laughs> is to take classes like we talk about that a lot. You do a really good job of this. Kyle is mm-hmm. like is a lot of times you will take a class earlier in the day and then when you're coaching class like as part of the whiteboard brief it's like hey this is what I did like after doing this workout this is what I experienced and this is how I would I recommend strategizing I think you as a coach you can one build a lot of credibility because you're doing the same workouts like we could do an entire podcast on that but it also just gives kind of the like okay Kyle again, Kyle's somebody who's good at running, so he could say, he could communicate to athletes like, hey, I'm I'm a better I'm a better runner than I am a biker. So my focus was on the bike and I can and I want you to do the same thing. Sherb, sure, you did that the other week with the snatches. It was running dumbbell step ups and and snatches where you could do any version of snatch. You could do a power snatch, squat snatch, touch and go, singles, whatever, but you were like, the only qualifier is that you have to do the one that you like least. And communicating that to athletes is the way that we're gonna we're gonna take the most kind of extract the most really important thing. just tell them the why. Like you give them the reason and, why. And like exactly. A, I guess and really explaining important why. asterisk yeah. It's like make sure yeah, you yeah, tell you. Do the why. one you like least. All right, go, go. idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, communicating that is super important. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Gentlemen, we did it. We did it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh phase two for team misfit starts on beep boop 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 October third very excited. Phase two, it's going to last seven weeks long. You can uh, sign up on teammisfit.com or in the Sugarwad Marketplace. Um, and then don't forget, you can download the Affiliate Games Week for free. Head to the Team Misfit Gyms Instagram at Team Gyms or Misfit.com slash affiliate games. Get your. Uh, it's a PDF. It's got all kinds, like I said, multiple versions of the workout, a ton of coaches notes to help you with scaling and whatnot. And it looks, it doesn't, visually look the same but we provide the same information to you guys in the affiliate programming with the the scaling the coaches notes the timing all that sort of stuff so october 3rd teamisfit.com phase two we'd love to have you we'll see you there